0: Going from God being a God to God being your God. Hi there. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno and online at highlands.us. As we continue our journey through Genesis, we turn our attention to chapter 28 of Genesis. It's here that Jacob becomes a child of God we get to see a unique passage of Scripture that lays out for us God going from being a God to being Jacob's God. And that is a real key pivotal point for each and every one of us as well. Is he just the God of this universe, or is he your God? And what does it take to change it from one to the other? Well, here's Pastor Layton with more on today's study, verse
1: by verse. Now you may recall when we gathered together last uh, in chapter 27 that we observed that Jacob said something as he was deceiving his father. uh, And he said, the Lord your God gave me success. We underscored the significance of that word your. What he was saying is this is not my God, this is not our God, this is your God, Dad. And he was disassociating himself with God. God. But there is an event that happens in this chapter that we're studying today that is transformative for him because in this chapter, he says the Lord will be my God, my God. So what event was it that was so transformative for Jacob? And the answer is that Jacob met God. Jacob met God. And when a person meets God, their life is necessarily transformed. A person cannot remain the same. A person's character and their goals and their values and their trajectory, trajectory gets changed. Now, many people come up to me after services on Sunday and said, Pastor, I didn't know that there was that much in Genesis about what we read about in the New Testament. And, and really, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament are, are very much dependent upon each other. The, the book of Genesis explains the beginnings of everything, the foundations of everything, so that when we read the New Testament we go, Oh, I can connect those dots. I understand what's taking place here. And so... Uh, The events that are are, are referenced in this chapter are uh, also referenced by Jesus when He was choosing His disciples. And the story is told this uh, for us in John's Gospel, chapter 1. It reads, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph. "'From Nazareth.' "'Nazareth?' exclaimed Nathanael. "'Can anything good come from Nazareth?' "'Well, come and see for yourself,' Philip replied. "'As they approached, Jesus said, "'Now here is a genuine son of Israel, "'a man of complete integrity.' "'How do you know about me?' Nathanael asked. "'Jesus replied, "'I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you.' "'Then Nathanael exclaimed, "'Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel.' Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. New Living Translation. So Jesus here clearly applies this image of the heavenly stairway to himself. And so he was saying that he is the ladder, he is the bridge that came from heaven uh, to earth, the only bridge by which it is possible for men and women to pass from earth to heaven. And so, as we're reading this chapter today, we should keep in mind Jesus. And the real question is this Do you know Jesus? Do you know the one who is the bridge, the ladder? You know, do you, do you, you might be lonely like we're going to find that Jacob was. You, you might be impoverished. You might be unemployed. You might be disgraced. You might be honored. You might dishonor. You might, be, you might be fearful. But whatever you might be, look to Jesus because he's the ever-present companion for those who are lonely. He is the eternal wealth for those who are poor. He is the glory of those who are dishonored and despised and he is the rock and fortress for the one who is afraid He is God He is the God who makes promises We like Jacob are unworthy to receive and he always keeps his promises now one of the things that's accomplished here by sharing this story is seeing it unfold in fulfillment of God's promises in the chapters to come. The Lord said, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. And these are the words that become the theme that governs the course of subsequent events. So when Jacob returned from Laban's house, after many years he came back to this very same place, which we know as Bethel, where God again blessed him and and renewed the covenant promises. Uh, Jacob here it tells us in this story is going to is going to create a pillar a monument a, a memory and when he comes back to this place in chapter 35 he's going to place another pillar another monument and the purpose of these monuments are to remind the reader that God kept his promises through all of those chapters in between now. The chapter of our focus today is chapter 28. But there's some things I want to read before chapter 28 that will help us better understand uh, the story that's unfolding in chapter 28. So I'm going to point you in your Bibles back to chapter 26 and the last two verses of chapter 26. It reads, When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of the Hittite, and also Basemath, daughter of Elan the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. So even though we found that Isaac was now at peace with his neighbors, there was war going on inside of the household, because Esau had married two godless wives who brought great grief. And later he adds another one to the mix. And his choice of wives describes his choice of lifestyle. And you remember that the author of Hebrews warns us not to follow Esau's example... The example of godless Esau. You see, Esau was godless because he did not value having a relationship with God. And his life choices reflected this. There's some insights in these two verses that are given to us about uh, about Esau's path and choices. First off, it appears that he arranged these marriages himself without any input from mom and dad. And then... He chose women who were part of the local and godless um, uh, culture. And no doubt that he knew how important it was to have a godly wife. He knew the story about how grandpa had sent his favorite servant to go and find a godly wife for his dad, Isaac. Uh, But evidently, his Esau's appetites were they, they didn't prioritize having a godly wife or a family that desired a relationship with God. His appetites were elsewhere. And then let's start our study of chapter 28 at verse 41 in chapter 27, where it reads, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. Remember, the early part of the chapter talks about how the blessing was stolen and he said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. My dad is about to die. And then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. And when your brother is no longer angry with you, and forgets what you did to him. I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? And so Esau had begged for a blessing and his father gave him a blessing. But really, when he figured out what was the blessing was about, it was really an anti-blessing because the best blessing had been stolen from him. And so there's this murderous hatred that fills the soul of Esau. And so he is biding his time and can't wait for dad to die. So that once dad dies, he's going to take the pleasure of killing his brother with his own hands. His hatred was so deep that he thought of that. And it brought comfort to him knowing someday I'm going to get my brother. I'm going to get even. Now, evidently, he was not a man who kept his thoughts private because he told someone who told Rebecca. And Re- Rebecca didn't miss anything, and she did not for a moment doubt that Esau would one day erupt and fulfill his homicidal intent. And her question, why should I be deprived of you in, in one day, means it implies that she knows that it's going to happen and that there's going to be someone who avenges Jacob's death by killing Esau, maybe God himself, and she's going to lose both of her sons. And as long as the two of them are together in camp, as long as Jacob's in camp, then Esau is going to be reminded every day when he sees him of what was done. And that reminder was going to continue to fuel that fire of hatred. So he knew that the brothers, she knew that the brothers needed to be separated, ...in order to give an opportunity for Esau's hatred to decrease. She was a very swift thinker, and she realized the best solution might be to send Jacob to live with her brother Laban. But the question then became, how do we get that to happen? How am I going to convince Isaac, dad, uh, to, 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 to make this happen? And so what she does is she plays on Isaac's fears that Jacob might marry a local godless woman. So what she wanted to accomplish was good, protecting her son and her sons. But how she went about it was deceptive and therefore wrong. Now, Rebecca thought that this was just going to be for a short period of time, a little while, as it's translated in some translations, but... Uh, The days that day of summons never came. Uh, Jacob was absent from the home for over two decades and Rebecca died sometime in, in the meanwhile. Now her death is not recorded for us in Genesis, but there is no recorded subsequent meeting to this. She never had an opportunity to be with her son Again, there's only one more time when she is mentioned in Genesis, and that's in chapter 49, where it reads that she was buried in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre. And that will close out
0: today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse, our first initial look at Genesis chapter 28. Thank you for joining us. If you have questions about the broadcast... Maybe you would like to learn a bit more about us here at Church of the Highlands right here in San Bruno. You are more than welcome to visit our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. You'll even be able to listen to this program again at your convenience as we house all our past programs there as well. Highlands.us. Well, the rest of this week will be devoted to chapter 28 of Genesis. We pray you'll stay with us throughout the week as we are blessed from God's Word. Until tomorrow, take care. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.